All right, good morning. I, uh, last time I was here, I, I said I was a little bit like Larry the Cable Guy, and I looked in the mirror this morning and realized I had dressed like him. <laughs> I was a little frightened. I was like, man, you look just like a lumberjack. <laughs> well, hello, my wonderful Crossroads friends. Man, I want you good morning. I, I want you to know that every time I mention you guys to family and friends in California, I say to them, with utter sincerity, I love that church. I love those people. I love being up there. We go to a couple different churches because of our ministry. And um, one of the pastor's wives, the lead pastor at Abundant Life, she said, I'll see you next weekend. I said, no, I'm going to be preaching up in Indiana. And she said, I'm going to pray that they start loathing you. <laughs> I said, please don't do that. <laughs> There's just a presence of the Holy Spirit that's here. It, it really is. I sense it when I walk into the building. I told Patrick the last time I was here, when I walked in, I didn't feel great about the message. You know, sometimes you don't. And then, and I, and I thought, is it ready? Is it, is it good enough? And then I walked through the door and I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and I had total peace. Um, and I just want to thank you guys for that. Let me pray this morning. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, it is never what I have to say. God, I, I, I fully realize that if that if I were sitting here without the presence of the Holy Spirit, it would be words on a page. It's not me, it's you. And I desperately need you to come and speak this morning. Open our ears, open our hearts, open our eyes as, as you speak. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Father, we love you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about heavenly relationships. In the, New, in the New Living Translation, the word heaven is used 913 times. It's used 270 times in the New Testament alone. So we're only going to scratch the surface with a few verses. But I want to let you know that despite having so many verses, there are no really long descriptions. It's not like, hey, let's walk down the streets. There's no brochure that I can throw out to you about heaven. So what I'd really like for us to think about this morning as we go over these verses is, is let's kind of think of them as snapshots of what heaven will be like. And, and let's kind of dig into the pictures together and see what we can glean. Let me get, begin by saying heaven is a real place. And it is a place I long to go. I, I long to be there with the Lord. There, there are so many days I think about that. Paul wrote these words in Philippians chapter 1 starting in verse 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for you. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. You sense this angst in Paul. I'm, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better or better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul was torn. He wanted to leave this world so bad. He, he just wanted to go home. He said to die is gain. Well, well, why? Well, he wanted to go home to a place of great joy and peace, right? He, he wanted to go to a place where the Bible says there's no more sorrow and no more tears. Home to where the house payment is paid and the health insurance bill isn't due. The place where love, no loved one was sick or moving away. I mean, Paul was content to stay here for a while. Why? So that he could pour into as many people as he could during his lifetime. He wanted to go to heaven, but he wanted to take as many people with him as he could. 
I thank God that this church is reaching outside of its community and, and kind of pouring into others around them, pouring into singles and new families and, in order to bring them to Christ. Great job, Crossroads, and I mean it wholeheartedly because it's literally why you're still here. It's why I'm still here. I want to go to heaven, but I, I don't want to go alone. Well, there's this literal heaven and there is a literal hell. And I long for that literal heaven because sometimes, like Paul, you just want to go home, don't you? I wonder if you've ever been or found yourself somewhere that you didn't want to be but you couldn't leave. I remember going on a men's encounter and, they, and we had three days and they said, we're going to be here for 21 sessions. I am not making that up. I started counting them, you know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I, I just kind of want to go home. Let me tell you a true story that I believe illustrates what life on earth is sometimes like. Let me just tell you a true story. I personally refer to hell as Camp Sunshine. Because when I was 10 years old, my mom sent me to Camp Sunshine somewhere in Kentucky. I, I thank God I don't know where it was. But I clearly remember the first night at Camp Sunshine. It, I was all fine until we started singing Kumbaya. I mean, have you ever thought of the words that someone's crying, my Lord, and then it breaks out into a wonderful chorus of someone's dying, my Lord? How is that a camp song? How does that bring any joy? And, and literally, guys, it made me so sad. It made me homesick. I just, I wanted to go home. I started crying. I was like, I was only 10, okay? It wasn't last year. I was like 10 years old. And, and, I'm, and, and, and then it didn't help. We're walking away from the fire. And I will never forget, it's ingrained in my mind. I look at, at this kid walking next to me. And he has the biggest tick in his ear, in his ear, that I have ever seen in my life. Well, I have a very weak stomach, and Mike and every cabin had a daily chore. Well, my cabin's daily chore was to clean the camp bathroom. I will not go into detail, but let's just say I was literally sick every day. I just wanted to go home. I cried every day. I begged this camp staff to, to call my mom, but these were pre-cell phone days, and they just couldn't get a hold of her. Well, one day I rallied and I thought I'm going to go out and, you know, hang out maybe with some of the guys. And, and we came upon this old house out in the woods. And, you know, as 10-year-olds would say, oh, dude, it's a haunted house. Let's go explore it. And I'm walking through. And sure enough, I stepped on a nail that went right through my shoe, right through my foot. Now my shoe's sticking to my foot. And now I'm at camp and I've got to get a tetanus shot. <laughs> Still no answer from my mom. I just wanted it to go home have you ever had days like that well finally camp ended the siege was over you know and I was so excited so the bus dropped me off now I lived in Bellevue Kentucky and I don't know if any of you know where Newport Kentucky is but it's right next door and it's it can be a very rough area and and the bus the pickup for camp was there in Newport Kentucky so I get dropped off from the bus finally camps over and you know this kid's getting picked up and that kid and this kid and that now we're down to two or three kids well guess what my mom didn't show up she thought camp ended the following day so now I'm by myself, it's getting dark, I'm in Newport, I kind of know the way home, I gotta walk over a bridge across the Ohio River, and so I start walking, and I'm literally on the bridge over the Ohio River when one of my buddy's mom sees me and picks me up, she goes, Rick, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm walking home, and my mom didn't pick me up. <laughs> yeah, now you're starting to understand, that's what's wrong with you, dude, that's why you're wearing that shirt. 
I, I'm not making any of this up. We, this, like, this woman drives me to my house and I, I go running up the door with my little, you know, my little suitcase, which by the way, every clothes piece was mildewed and I stunk and I'm so happy to be home. I, I, I knock on the door, I pull the door, nothing. I look in the window, the curtains are gone. My mother had moved while I was at camp. I, I'm not making that up. So I don't want to leave you hanging. The, I, the lady drives me to grandma's house. My mom was coming there later. She had moved uh, while I was gone and wanted to surprise me. Yeah, thanks, mom. God bless her. I just wanted to go home. You know, aren't there times like that? Times on this planet where you're just done? You know, you, you know what I mean? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to as the hall of faith, the faith hall of fame. If you got your name in that chapter, then you were someone who had achieved great faith. You had, you had moved mountains or raised the dead or you had defeated armies. Somehow your life had brought intense, great glory to God. Well, here's what the writer of Hebrews was, says about those people. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. They weren't home. Let me read that again. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place. A heavenly homeland. And I love this next line. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. Why? Because they were looking for a better place. They had their sights set on heaven. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added onto you. They were looking towards a heavenly home. And God was proud to call them his children. It says, for he has prepared a city for them. Well, you know what made these people great? What gave them the courage and the faith to go on when life was at its worst? And if you read some of the names, life was certainly at the worst for them here. They realized they weren't home yet. They saw it from a distance. It, it didn't really matter so much what happened here because eventually they were going there. And, I, and they did not take this world too serious. And I, I want to say that again. It's when we begin to wrap ourselves up in this world and take it too serious and everything that happens to us is the end of our lives. And, and you know, you're at Camp Sunshine and in the midst of Camp Sunshine, you can't think about being anywhere but Camp Sunshine. But when you realize one day Camp Sunshine is going to end and this isn't my entire life, I, I'm going someplace so much better, it gets so much sweeter. I remember an old evangelist singing a song that I didn't even know the name of, but I'll never forget the words because often to this day when I, I find myself singing them and they bring me to tears let's see the bright light shine it's just about home time and I can see my father he's standing at the door this world has been a wilderness and I'm ready for deliverance oh lord I've never been this homesick before there are so many days I just want to go home but let me tell you what I think will make heaven heaven. 
what's going to, to, to make it a place where I want to be forever is unending relationships. 56% of you said, we want to know about relationships in heaven. Well, let me tell you a little bit about me if you haven't gleaned it yet. I am a, I am a people person. I am a relational guy. What do I mean by that? Well, I was the guy that in college that I could have a massive test the next day, but if you showed up and said, dude, let's go to the movies, I was with you. I was at the movies, man. I didn't care. Studying could wait. No, don't judge me. I got B's. I could have got A's, but it wouldn't have been as much fun. I'm the guy, if you show up at my house at 3 a.m. and said, dude, let's drive to Atlanta just for the heck of it. I'm in the car. I'm not even packing. I'm not bringing a toothbrush. That's what Target is for. I, I love shopping the weeks before Christmas. I want to be in the mall when you can't squeeze into the mall. In fact, if I have not been in a shouting match over a parking space, it is just not the holidays. I am, are you getting a sense of me? I want the crowd. I, I love the crowd. You get the picture. To me, people are batteries that you plug into. They're just, their they're energy's contagious. So I want to know that heaven is a place of relationships, of great fellowship. And to be honest with you, Camp Sunshine might have been fun if my family had friends had been there. I mean, I mean except for the ticks and the toilets, I think it, it, I could have had a blast. I want to know when I get to heaven, the people I love and have loved will be there. I, I want to recognize them, don't you? I want to know them. I want to sit across from them in comfy chairs and talk about the wonders of heaven and, and what it's like to be in the presence of God. And I never want that to end. Well, again, 56% of you said last week, let's, we want to know more about relationships. Will we recognize each other? Will we be the same as we are now? And, and will we be united with our loved ones for eternity? Well, we're going to look at a, at a few verses or a few passages, or scriptural snapshots about heaven and, and, and kind of glean the answers as best we can. And I, and I think they're there. I really do. First, will I recognize people when I get there? When I get to heaven, will I, will I know people? Will, will I know your name? Will I know your face? Well, let's take a look at Mark chapter 9. Jesus is meeting up with some old friends who had long since departed this world in this, in this passage. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the, men's, as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. And his, and, he, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. I, I love this passage. What, what's going on in the way of relationships here? Well, well, first off, Peter, James, and John recognized Elijah and Moses. While they had long since departed this world... Those guys still knew who they were. They instantly knew. That's amazing and encouraging. I want to know my friends and family. They immediately knew who these guys were, even though they had never met them. That's, that's awesome. Well, second, Moses and Elijah were still Moses and Elijah. They didn't become someone else because they had been in paradise with a father for so long. They were still them. But here's what blows my mind. 
while he was still fully human and on earth, Jesus thought it was important to meet up with these guys. Have you ever thought about that? I, I, I think I can promise you that it wasn't the first meeting. I mean, he is fully human. He has emptied himself. He's going through something, and he's like, you know what? I've just got to talk with Moses and Elijah. These are pre-cell phone days, so he sends for them. And before you know it, Moses and Elijah are standing in front of him. What was the conversation about? What did Jesus want to talk about? Isn't that amazing? I love that he deemed a conversation with them Two specific individuals is so important that he called them down from heaven just to chat with them. That is incredible. I wonder how many chats he had had with him, perhaps at some heavenly priest Starbucks-like coffee shop. I like to think it was at a place called the Heavenly Cup. Elijah and Moses were still them. Fellowship was still going on. And Jesus is like, dude, you know what? I need to talk with those guys and get, I don't know, advice? Share something? How about another snapshot text that deals with recognizing others in heaven? How about Luke chapter 16? Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died. Isn't that an interesting way for the Bible to put that, for Jesus to put that? Finally, the poor man died. And was carried by the angels to sit behind Abraham at the heavenly banquet. And once again, it's very apparent that this man knew who Abraham was. In fact, if you read the whole passage, it, it, it becomes pretty awesome to see that there was a sense that Abraham knew who he was. And because the man had suffered so much, his life had been so hard, the Bible says, finally the poor man died, and, and the man seems to be honored at the banquet. It's an honor. Like, dude, sit next to Abraham. You endured so much. We, we wanted to be better here. Remember Paul's words, I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. And you know what makes these words even more staggering? Paul talks about having been caught up into heaven. He had actually been there. He knew what he was talking about. Honestly, what makes this even cooler is there was a banquet. There was food. I love food with friends, don't you? And that is what is happening here. We've got to kind of glean from this picture. Everybody knew who everybody was, even, even people they had never met before. Well, how about question two? Will, will I still be me? You know, what will I be like? I can't tell you exactly what we'll be like in heaven, but we do know some things. In John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, John writes these words, Dear friends, we already we are already God's children we we've come to know Christ we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior we are already God's children but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears but we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is we'll be like Jesus we'll be eternal we'll have glorified bodies Remember that Jesus had a robe that was whiter than any earthly bleach could make it. The Bible tells us that there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. We will have great joy. In fact, uh, Hebrews tells us that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. I, I long for those days. 
I want to be there. I want to be like that. Now, there are some things about us that will change and indeed must change, have to change. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 15. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So because I'm perishable in this container, I'm, I need to be put into a, a container that's, that's forever, that's immortal. But obviously, again, from what we've read, we will be recognizable. We will know who we are. But I, I like to think, and I really do believe, that this body will be much, much healthier, maybe a little more slender, a few less wrinkles. I don't know about you, but I look in the mirror and I have no idea what's happening to my chin. I've got furniture disease. It's dropping into my drawers. I have no idea what's happening here. And I like, I, I've literally, I'm not lying. I've looked in the mirror and contemplated, you are growing a beard. You have got, you've got to do something about this. I, there are things, stop, stop looking at my chin. There, there are things that will change about we will change, but the Bible indicates that we will still be recognizable as who we are. Remember that the disciples recognized Jesus after the resurrection. Well, I told you that Paul had actually gone to heaven. We don't know for how long. But we know that when he got back, he was still Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. How amazing. that! I'd love to be caught up into heaven. Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago when I was in my, whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they can't be expressed in words. Things no human being is allowed to tell. Paul came back as Paul. But what I love about this is Paul is the one who pens the words to the Corinthians for me to die is gain. It's far better. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that it is far better to go to heaven. And Paul knew because he had been there. Paul said, man, there were th it was so wonderful. It was so amazing. Eye hath not seen, ear is not heard. I think Paul's like, I can't give you the brochure on heaven because if I gave you the brochure on heaven, you couldn't wait to get there. Remember what the Writer said about the people in Hebrews, man, they were just always, they, they, they accomplished so much for God because they were always, they never had them eyes on themselves. They never had their eyes on going back. They always had their eyes on this heavenly city. God, how can I get there? And how can I take as many people with me as I can? How can I bring glory to your name while I exist here? Because that's what I'm going to do as long as I'm here. Well, another important question, will loved ones still be loved ones? I, I've, I've talked with a few people about this passages and I've had people say, well, you know, the Bible says, and then they'll quote something. And I'm thinking, I've read the Bible several times. Where is that? Verses that don't even exist. Thoughts that don't make sense. I think the only thing we can do again is just look at snapshots and gleam. Will loved ones still be loved ones. I know that, that, that Elijah and Moses will be there. I know that Abraham will be there. I know that I'll be there. I know that most of you will be there, but, well, we know each other. 
Well, 2 Samuel chapter 12 is a little bit of a sad time in David's life. Or it's a big sad time in David's life. His newborn son has died. Look at his reaction. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19. When David saw them, or when David, yeah, when David saw them, that means his servants, whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His visors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept, refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you've stopped your mourning and your eating? David doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't you be saddest right now? David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was still alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he's dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day. But he cannot return to me. I will go to him one day. But he cannot return to me. You know what you got a picture of? David here not taking this world too serious. By the way, David is mentioned in the Hall of Fame as one of those guys who had his eyes on a heavenly city. And Paul, and David was like, I can't, there's nothing I can do here. But oh, when I get there. You see, I see this city. I see it in the distance. I see my home. And I know I'm not there yet. He would walk the streets of heaven with him. He, he would find the fellowship that he longed for. Not in this world, but in the world to come. And, and I want to let you know that David has now been with that boy for many, many years. We mourn the loss of a loved one so much while we're here on earth. But the truth is, if they know Jesus, it's just temporary separation. I miss my mom all the time. I really do. My mom was a funny, funny lady. I remember jokes she told when I was a little kid. But much sooner than I think, remember I told you this body is one onion ring away from Jesus. You think I'm kidding. I thought that onion ring was last night. Sooner than I think, I will walk the streets of glory with her and tell her how much she always meant to my family. David's words, I will go to him one day. I will go to my mom one day, but she can't return to me. That's okay. Why would I want to drag her back here? I started this message by saying how much I appreciated this church and its dedication to reaching the community for Christ. And I know in a couple of weeks you guys are going to have a baptismal service. You're going to you're going to ask people to come forward to accept Christ, to make it public and real by being baptized. There is something, there is something that I know about God with certainty, that I have read the scripture and I could quote verse after verse. There's something about God that is laid out in massive passages in clarity, and that is that God does not want to be in heaven without you. Literally, the God of the universe doesn't want to do eternity without you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins. Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish. What I know is that God doesn't want to be there without you. This morning, make your relationship with God 
real. If you've never done it before, then just call on them and say, Lord, best I know, I believe you love me and died for me. And there is a heavenly home and I can't wait to get there. Paul said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I, I, I don't want to be there without you either. My heart's desire is that you would say, God, I get it. Heaven is real and I want to be there. And Jesus, you are the payment for my sins and I want that payment. God doesn't want to be in, turn, in eternity without you. One day he wants you to come. I started with that song and let me end with that song. Let's see the bright light shine. It's just about home time and I can see my father. He's standing at the door. This world has been a wilderness. I'm ready for deliverance. And oh Lord, I've never been this homesick before. I can see the family gather. Sweet faces stand so familiar. No one's feeble anymore. And though this lonesome heart is crying, I think I'll spread my wings for flying, Lord. I've never been this homesick before. Father, we love you and worship you and praise you. Oh, you want to be with us so bad. You love us so much. It's beyond our comprehension. You sent your son. He came to get us. He came to get us so one day he could bring us home. And we're so grateful for that, God. I love you. I worship you and I praise you. And I love this people, God. Thank you so much in Christ's name. Amen. God bless and thank you guys for listening.